Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Thanks very much for joining me on today's episode. Today's topic is going to be focusing on hitting the drop volley, which is a really fun shot to hit and it can be very useful both in singles and doubles. So we're going to be talking about the tactics of using it and probably more importantly, the technique of hitting it correctly. Uh, before that, just just wanted to say that I hope that you're all taking some time to watch the French Open. I, my, my wife and I have been without cable or, or satellite for a while now, but I'm really happy that Tennis Channel is actually live streaming uh, online the French Open, which is great. I don't have a direct link to that here, but if you just Google French Open live stream, it comes up, I think it's second or third. So I've got that streaming right now. I'm watching Soderling versus Simone playing right now, and I've uh, been enjoying that a lot. And you, you can learn a lot from watching the pros. So I, I hope that all of you take at least a little bit of time to watch some of it on TV or, or on your computer. So with that, let's go ahead and get to today's topic. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right. Today's topic comes to us from Richard in Kansas City, Missouri. He wrote to me and said, I'm a solid 3.5 player trying to break through to the 4.0 level. I'm in a tennis ladder and consistently beat all of the 3.5 players. I've done a lot of work on my serve and backhand over the past year in order to get them consistent enough to play with the 4.0 guys. So my question is, how do I go about practicing a drop volley? Here's why I asked the question. There's a 4.0 player with whom I've played several times. I have had good competitive matches with him, but I can't seem to beat him. He's a baseliner with very consistent ground strokes, but he is not comfortable at all when approaching the net. I like to attack at the net, but when I approach and hit a couple of solid deep volleys, he's almost always able to find a passing shot. I feel that if I had a drop volley in my bag, it would go a long way towards beating him. He would be forced to come up to the net, something that he does not like to do, and most likely hit up so that I would have an easy ball to put away. Even if he gets to the ball, makes an amazing shot, and I lose the point, I would still be happy with the strategy because I would do it over and over and over again. Since he stays so far behind the baseline, Eventually, he would start missing the shot or get tired of running so far to the net and be forced to adjust his distance from the baseline. Just to sum it up, my question is about how to execute and practice a drop volley. I'm not trying to come up with a low percentage drop shot from back uh, behind the baseline. I just want to be able to hit a drop volley in short and force my baseline opponent to come up to the net when they would rather not. If you have any other suggestions as far as how I can pull an unsuspecting opponent into the net, I'm all ears. Okay, Richard, good question. And first of all, I and I don't have this in my notes, but reading through this for the second time, it just occurred to me that 
I'm happy that you're attacking the net. It's great. And it's good. Uh, to be honest, there's not many 3-5 level players. And I, I know that you're getting real close now to being bumped up to 4.0, and that's great. But there's not a lot of players around your level that are very comfortable moving in, much less consistently, to uh, be able to pressure their opponents. So that's great. And don't give up on that tactic. It's something that if you continue to practice and get more and more competent with, it will definitely serve you well. So keep that up. Good job. Now, secondly, uh, being able to vary the depth of your shots once you get up there to the net and you're using volleys and use, using overheads, but mostly volleys, obviously, is really important, and especially when you're playing against somebody who has a really strong pref- preference for the baseline. Being able to hit a deep volley is great. And, you know, just being able to create depth in general is always good on all shots in tennis. But if that's the only shot that you have, in other words, you know, deep volley, deep volley, and you just keep going shot after shot deep in the court, then eventually your opponent is going to get comfortable with it. And I mean, really, if you think about it, if you hit any type of shot over and over again, unless, unless it's just a shot that's super effective against a certain opponent, more, more likely than not, they're probably going to get used to it eventually. Now, not always. Again, sometimes you're going to find a certain shot that a certain opponent just doesn't like. And so you should keep going to the well and keep using it. But in a situation like this, where this particular opponent likes being behind the baseline, going deep over and over and over again is, is kind of playing to his strength. So it is good that you're trying to figure out how to hit more softly so that you can vary your shots. And we need to learn the technique and then be able to use that in order to mix up your shot selection. So, of course, the, the big question is hand at hand rather is how do we hit this shot? How do we hit the drop volume? And there's two huge keys, two huge things that you need to be able to do in order to hit this shot effectively. Number one is we need an open racket face. We have to be able to control closely the angle of the racket face. And in general, the more open your racket face is, the shorter of a shot you have potential for. The more closed the racket face is, the further it's going to want to travel, the, the ball, that is. When I say open, I mean that your strings are facing more up towards the sky. When I say closed, I mean they're facing more towards the net or more towards down, towards the court. And again, just to repeat, the more open your racket face is, the more potential you have to be able to hit a drop volley or a short shot in general. Now, the flip side of the coin, and there's probably a lot of you out there that are saying, Ian, that just doesn't sound right because when I open my racket up more, the ball pops up in the air. And when I pop the ball up in the air, then it kind of makes it sit up. A lot of times, it'll make the ball travel farther into the courts, and it's just not a very good shot. How could I possibly hit the ball short if my racket is facing up and I'm hitting the ball up into the air at an angle? And that's the flip side. You have to realize that the more the face opens, the more potential also you have to pop the ball up. So how can we have both? (laughs) I said that we have potential to hit short. There's also the potential to to pop the ball up. Both the potential to have either one of those happen, uh, either one of those happen occurs when you open the face up. Now, what controls which one happens? And this is key number two to hitting a drop volley. And this really is the most important part 
and that is the softness of your grip. How firmly or how softly you are physically gripping the racket. And this is what recreational players miss and or just totally don't get. They they either are completely unaware of this variable or maybe they're aware of it and they've just never really done it correctly. They think that they do it correctly, but in reality, their touch and their feel for what they're doing with their grip and how firm they are is just not there and it's not developed. And basically, the, the way that this works is this. The more relaxed your hand is, the more the racket will recoil from the point of contact. So when the ball comes and actually meets your racket, and there's that collision there between the ball and your racket, the softer your grip is, and I mean literally, physically, how hard you're gripping the racket, uh, the, the looser you grip it. When the ball hits your strings, the more the racket will be pushed back by the impact of the ball hitting your racket. And the more that the racket recoils, the more that the racket is pushed back from the point of contact by the ball, the more momentum is absorbed and taken away from the ball. So the softer your hand is, the more the racket recoils, the more the racket recoils, the more momentum is taken away from the ball, and the more momentum is taken away from the ball, the softer of a shot comes off the racket. This is really the most important part. And the, the racket, I mean, if you're trying to hit a soft shot, and especially when you're taking the ball out of the air, the racket should be hit back away from the point of contact, from the force of the ball hitting, hitting the racket. And if that doesn't happen, then momentum will be retained on the ball. And there's some, some of you out there that are real like physics nerds, and you might call me on how exactly I'm explaining some of this and exactly what the terminology is that I'm using. But um, what, I, what I'm saying is generally correct. <laughs> you know, the way that I'm describing it, I, you know, I'm trying to describe it in, in layman's terms. Not that I could describe it super you know, accurately in professional you know, physicist terms or anything like that. Uh, and not that I'm really interested in being able to do that anyway. Uh, but anyway, you guys get the idea. If your racket doesn't recoil from the point of contact backwards, then more momentum is kept uh, within the ball. The, the ball will, will retain that speed, that force that was on it as it got to your racket, and then it'll travel further. So this is a really, really important concept to grasp, and it really all comes down to that firmness of grip in the angle of the racket face. To hit the ultimate drop volley, you want a really open racket face in a really soft grip. When we combine those two things together, really open and really soft, the ball will drop very, very short. If you do step one but not step two, if you open the racket face but you don't soften your grip enough, then what will happen is what I described before. The ball will pop up. And so that will create a sitting shot and or a shot that travels much further in the court than what you were looking for. And that's obviously not, not going to be very effective. So hopefully that makes sense in terms of technique, and uh, I strongly recommend that you use a continental grip on both the uh, forehand side and the backhand side. Uh, open the racket up by turning your hand uh, either uh, towards a uh, palm up or, or palm down, depending on if you're hitting a backhand or a forehand, and physically loosen your hand and your grip. 
Um, okay, now, next up, I want to talk about the two biggest mistakes that recreational players make when they're trying to do this correctly. First of all, is a technique mistake. And, and the way that I most commonly see recreational players attempt to hit a drop volley is they will try to chop kind of underneath or below the ball. Instead of simply opening the racket and softening and relaxing their grip, they'll try to spin the ball and kind of accelerate downwards as the ball gets to their racket, thinking that the more backspin that they make, the better the result will be. Well, instead of that, they very much complicate the motion. They complicate the technique. It makes it much more difficult to hit accurately because there's just a lot more going on. Uh, when you start chopping at the ball in the air, there's just a lot of variables at play there, and you have to hit it just right in order to make it effective. Now, when you do hit it just right, then all of that backspin that you make can make it a super, super good shot. But that's not the way that I recommend that you try to hit this shot, Richard, because it's just much, much more difficult than simply working with touch and firmness of grip and using that open racket face. So that's uh, number one, the, the chop. Uh, don't do that. It complicates it. The second reason why the chop is not good is it typically creates more tension around the grip. When players start chopping and coming down at the ball quickly, very often that leads to more tension, which takes away from your feel and your ability to hit the ball softly. That's not good. And all of this just makes it much more easy to screw the shot up. So don't try to chop and make a ton of spin. In fact, you probably don't even need to really manually add any backspin at all to make this an effective shot. I'll tell you that most of the time I don't. And just by hitting softly without even worrying about spinning the ball can still be very, very effective. Uh, the second big mistake that recreational players make is they will hit off center and then blame the fact that they think that they hit too softly. And I can't even begin to count how many times that I've seen this happen or we'll be practicing in a team practice or during a lesson, either hitting uh, soft shots in general or maybe going for like a soft uh, angle volley or a drop volley. Or maybe a low volley, you know, where the ball, where the racket has to be open. It's kind of a more delicate shot. And the ball will hit off center, maybe not even off the frame, but just not the middle of the racket. And as a result, the ball dies off the racket, goes into the net. And then my student, or just, you know, the player, will, exc will exclaim, Oh, I hit it too soft. And I hate that comment because it's, it's, totally wrong and yet most players think that they have it right and it's just not the case at all so be aware of that and to figure out whether or not you made that mistake just be very cognizant of what the shot felt like and what it sounded like as you make contact so when you go and practice this richard and you hit a couple into the net Try to remember what each of those shots felt like and what it sounded like. If it's off-center, it's not going to sound as clean. It's not going to sound as nice. And it's probably going to make the racket twist and turn in your hand and feel kind of shaky and, and wobbly. If that happens, then it has nothing to do with you being too soft or being too relaxed. Just make sure that you focus on the ball in the next shot make good, clean contact, and then from there, make adjustments with how firmly or how softly you're actually gripping the racket.
But over and over again, I've seen players miss due to hitting off center. And then they're like, oh, I, I was I was too soft. And then on the next one, they'll firm it up. And they hit the middle of the racket. And, that, and then they pop the ball way up in the air. And it goes too far uh, based on where they were aiming. So don't keep seesawing back and forth like that. That's a really, really common mistake. Now, let's talk about tactics, Richard. Once you start to practice this shot and you start to get the hang of it, um, we can use this technique in a lot of different ways. Um, you can use this technique for drop shots. You can also use this technique for angle volleys. And that's really probably the, the, te- the way that you want to use this the most in addition to using it as a drop volley. Um, especially when you're playing against this opponent who likes to be back behind the baseline. And ultimately, what you want to be able to do is mix up the three choices that you'll have once you practice once you practice this. And that is the deep volley, which you already have, the drop volley, which you're going to practice now that you know how to do it, and then also develop an angle volley where you aim for like right around the side service tee going in either direction so that the ball bounces lands, you know, hopefully in play, and then travels off the court at a sharp angle, which means that your opponent is going to have to move well off the court to be able to get the ball. And that's especially true if he is well behind the baseline. The further behind the baseline he is, the more effective these types of shots are. As far as hitting really short or as far as angling the ball, that means that they just have to travel that much further to be able to get to your soft shot. And uh, by the way, angles are usually only really possible when you start softening things up. The more you try to angle the ball, the less court you have to work with. And the less court you have to work with, you know, typically the softer you want to hit the ball to make sure it doesn't go too far. The exception to that would be is if you're right on top of the net and you're able to close the racket and hit directly at your target, in which case you can go ahead and be firm and aggressive with it. But most of the time that you try to angle a volley off sharply, you're going to have to be soft and relaxed to keep it from going too far. So, Richard, that's your long-term goal is to be able to hit the deep one, hit the uh, drop volley, and hit an angle volley. And when you start to mix those up, then you're going to start to really challenge this opponent, especially if you can keep him guessing a little bit and you don't keep going back to the same one over and over again. Again, unless it works over and over again, then by all means, keep using it. Uh, but once you start mixing these up, you can be very effective in running him around, getting him tired. It also opens the court up and it gives you openings to be able to put the ball away as opposed to what it sounds like you've been doing, which is just kind of deep, deep, deep and, and hoping he, he misses. And if he gets comfortable and starts hitting passing shots, then, well, that's kind of it. <laughs> and uh, it's good to have these other options that we're talking about. So, Lastly, let's talk about how to practice this, Richard. And I, I mean, the best way to practice hands down would be to get a ball machine and set it up to hit you the same shot over and over again so that you can have some consistent practice off a consistent ball coming at you the same way over and over. So you can really practice and see exactly what the difference is when you change variables little by little, like how open the racket is or exactly how softly or how firmly you're gripping the racket. That's really the best way to practice this. So what I would do is set the uh, set the ball machine up to uh, feed directly to you, you know, relatively firm shot, um, but but not super hard or anything like that. Uh, and I would stand probably two or three steps inside the, inside the service line, set the ball machine up to give you like a waist-high volley, 
uh, no higher than waist heights. And then practice opening your racket, physically relaxing your hand, and your goal should be to hit a volley that travels over the net by about two feet, no more than two feet, like a foot or less would be great, but I don't want you to aim quite that well, uh, just for consistency uh, sake. So aim about two feet, between a foot or two feet would be great, and we're looking for a ball that bounces three times inside the service line on the other side. If you can hit a shot from two or three steps inside your service line that bounces three times inside of either service box on the other side, then that's a great drop volley. Two bounces is good. Three bounces, you're really in business. And that's a really nice, soft shot. Expect it to take a little while before you can get to three bounces. Uh, Expect it to take some experimenting. And at first, it may take a shot that travels higher than two feet over the net, uh, to get it to bounce three times, but your goal should be to continue to soften it up, soften it up until finally you get kind of an ideal shot, like what I'm talking about. If uh, you don't have access to a ball machine, you can certainly have somebody feed shots to you as well. That's not going to be nearly as good a practice, but you know, obviously a lot better than nothing. Um, and I guess my last choice for practice would be in a rally back and forth, uh, but you're just not going to get the consistency of shot there that uh, we're looking for to really hone in and practice these different variables to really get a good feel for how to hit this shot. So Richard, hopefully that makes sense. Thanks very much for your question. Uh, Great to hear from you in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. If you have any further questions on this, definitely feel free to let me know. But it's a great shot. It's a fun shot to hit once you learn how to do it. Hopefully my explanation of the uh, the technique made sense. And hopefully you can use this to, to practice you know, get the feel for this shot and then start to use it successfully against this 4.0 opponent. Best of luck to you and let me know how it goes. All right, that does it for today's episode of the podcast number 172. Thank you very much for joining me and for listening today. I really appreciate it very, very much. Great to have you as a listener. And if you have the chance, please check out my sponsor this week, which is Tennis Express. They have pretty much anything you could possibly want in terms of tennis gear and equipment. Please check them out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That'll shoot you right over to Tennis Express and track any purchases you make. And a small percentage of any purchase you make comes back to help support the podcast. Now, in uh, wrapping up today's show, I'm going to read and uh, respond to a comment that was left on last week's show about uh, working out and fitness and and weight training to help improve your tennis game. And I also, I I want to apologize to everybody that's left comments over the last two or three shows. I'm really sorry that I've gotten behind with uh, responding directly to those uh, in the comments section for each uh, episode. And I'm, I'm going to get caught up on that today. But I, I'm, I'm going to make a real effort moving forwards to continue to answer those and respond to those as they come in. Uh, I've just really fallen behind with that. So, sorry. But I, I, lo- I love reading through them and, and seeing those comments from those of you who listen and, and take a few minutes to tell me what you think about each show. So thank you all very much that continue to do that. Now, comment left on episode number 171 on fitness This is from Ed. Ed wrote and said, Ian and Steve, thanks for the podcast. Very helpful. One question I have is the right balance between playing tennis and doing gym work. 
I use my own situation. I'll use my own uh, situation as an example. I have about seven or eight hours per week, which I can which I can use and do use to allocate to either the tennis court or to the gym. But obviously, I can't be in two places at the same time. Well, that's uh, that's a shame, isn't it? I'm sure we uh, obviously all of us would uh, like to have that. Uh, special power. Uh, In the past, I used to do around three hours of tennis per week and five hours in the gym. Right now, it's more like five hours of tennis and three hours in the gym. Thinking from a perspective of of avoiding injury as well as becoming a better player, which would you say is the right balance? If I don't spend enough time hitting balls, then my technique becomes a bit streaky and I risk injury through poor stroke mechanics. If I don't spend enough time in the gym, then I risk injury due to poor strength and flexibility. I'd really appreciate your thoughts that you have about this dilemma, Ed, in Nairobi. Uh, well, Ed, first of all, really cool to hear that I have a listener in uh, Nairobi, uh, Kenya. Great to hear from you. I always, I always am fascinated to hear from people in other countries and different parts of the world. Uh, great to have you as a listener there. Now, I, I actually just called Steve uh, before recording this segment just to get his opinion. It, it was my initial thought that five hours on the court and three hours in the gym was definitely plenty and a good balance between the two. Uh, Steve was a little more iffy than I was. I asked him about it and he said and he said that it, that would be adequate uh, that split to you know keep you strong and keep you insulated from injuries as much as possible uh, to, to keep your body in good shape. He thinks that five and three is a good split as long as you're he said it, it depends on how Ed is spending his time exactly. If you're really focused and targeting, you know, uh, specific tennis, you know, areas, parts of your body, then three hours can definitely be adequate. But, you know, if you're wasting time uh, doing things like, you know, running on a treadmill or things that aren't very tennis specific, uh, not that running on a treadmill is bad for you by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just not a very tennis specific exercise. Just to use that as an example. So if you're if you're following a good tennis specific program, then three hours can definitely be great. Just make sure that you target uh, the really important muscle groups. You know, good upper body and lower body strength uh, training to keep everything nice and strong. And uh, yes, flexibility stuff is great as well. So those were Steve's thoughts, and those are my thoughts as well. It's great that you're spending that much time on your t- on your tennis game, both on and off the courts. I'm sure uh, probably majority of people listening are envious of the amount of time that you have to put into it. And uh, that sounds like a good split to both Steve and I, as long as you're, you're focused and you're putting in some good work specifically for your tennis game. All right. So Ed, again, thanks very much for listening in uh, Nairobi. Thank you for taking the time to comment. And if you're listening right now and you have some thoughts or comments on today's episode about the drop volley, please drop by and let me know what they are. You can do that by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast, click on episode number 172, and leave your comments or questions or thoughts at the bottom of that page. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Once again, I really appreciate it. I'll be talking to you all again next week. Until then, take care and good luck with your tennis. 